Exodus chapter 14. Yahweh spake, spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn back and encamp before Pihahiroth, between Migdol and the sea, before Baal Zephon. You shall camp opposite by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will follow after them, and I will get honour over Pharaoh and over his armies, and the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh. They did so. The king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? He prepared his chariot and took his army with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over all of them. Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel for the children of Israel went out with a high hand. The Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pi-Hahiroth before, before Baal Zephon. When Pharaoh came near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. The children of Israel cried out to Yahweh. They said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way, to bring us out of Egypt? Isn't this the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will work for you today. For you will never again see the Egyptians whom you have seen today. Yahweh will fight for you and you shall be still. Yahweh said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Then the children of Israel shall go into the middle of the sea on dry ground. Behold, I myself will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will go in after them. I will get myself honour over Pharaoh and over all his armies, over his chariots and over his horsemen. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I have gotten myself honour over Pharaoh, over his chariots, and over his horsemen. The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. It came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. There was the cloud and the darkness, yet it gave light by night. One didn't come near the other at all. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The children of Israel went into the middle of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the middle of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen, in the morning watch, Yahweh looked out on the Egyptian army through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and confused the Egyptian army. He took off their chariot wheels 
and they drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let's flee from the face of Israel, for Yahweh fights for them against the Egyptians. Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come again on the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it. Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even all Pharaoh's army that went in after them into the sea. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the middle of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus Yahweh saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptian dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work which Yahweh did to the Egyptians, and the people feared Yahweh, and they believed in Yahweh and in his servant Moses. The ugly problem of Pharaoh raises its head again. You know, they think they finally <laughs> left Pharaoh behind. And finally they've gotten out of Egypt and, and their problems are behind them. But nope, their problems come chasing them. <laughs> and that happens to us sometimes too. We think we've gotten away from something. Oh, here it comes again. And God is teaching them to trust him. And um, these people didn't have a Bible. They didn't have, you know, a great history. I mean, they knew a few stories of Abraham and his faith in God, but they didn't have all the wealth and the understanding that, and wisdom that we've got. And so God is, is more gracious with them. So he doesn't expect them to trust him for him to act. He just acts on their behalf without their trust. And um, whereas we... The, what really pleases the Lord is, is our trust in him. You know, we're saved through grace and faith. But here in this example, they're still saved by grace, but they don't have much faith. <laughs> and God has always been a God of grace. Even right back here at the beginning of the nation of Israel, we see yeah, a lot of people think that Israel was, was all about the law. But no, God was working by grace before there was a law. And it's the same today too. We're saved by grace, but then we come to learn how to live for God. We're not saved by living for God. We live for God because we want to live for God. But we're saved by grace, just like the Israelites were here in the, um, the Red Sea. And there's a great verse right here that we just read. And it's the verse where Moses says to them, Stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will work for you. And I think this is great because in a very similar way, you know, the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, but Egypt was still there and Egypt came after them. And it's similar because we've been delivered from sin, but we're still in the world and the devil is still real. The devil is our oppressor, just like Pharaoh was their oppressor. But there's going to be a day where the devil is just completely obliterated and all the demons are obliterated and there's no more oppression. And we look forward to that day. And it's very, very similar to this. It's the Lord delivered them, but then he delivered them not only from oppression, but from their oppressor. 
And we've been delivered from sin, we've been delivered from oppression, even though sometimes we still experience troubles, but the day is coming when we too will be delivered from our oppressor. And that's going to be great. Looking forward to that very, very much. And so the children of Israel go into the water, and they come out the other side, and what we've got here is the first baptism in the Bible. And it's, it's, if you have, I used to ask people this question, when is the first baptism in the Bible? And they never, you know, unless you were someone well-versed in scripture, like my dad picked it, but a lot of people don't pick it because they're thinking of like, what person was baptized? No, but it's the whole nation of Israel is baptized together. They go in and baptism is a sign of, of following the Lord, saying, I'm going to follow you now. And you, you die to your old way and you come up to a new way. And that's exactly what was happening. The children of Israel were dying to their old way of life as slaves of their old way of Egyptian life. And they were coming out to become a new nation, God's people, to follow him, to serve him. They were going to do different things from now on. And that's what baptism is all about. Obeying the Lord and following him into the waters. And I just want to say one quick word about archaeology before we finish this chapter. You know, there's a lot of sensational videos, clickbaity type of videos, around about the Red Sea crossing. And you see videos, for example, that say, um, chariots discovered at the bottom of the Red Sea. And you go to click the video, and the picture that looked really interesting doesn't even appear in the video anywhere. And it's just some guy talking about the Red Sea. But there's, the things they say don't, are never in the video. And I want to say that, that we have a lot of biblical evidence, a lot of archaeology that supports the Bible, but sometimes we there are things that have happened. We don't have the archaeology for it. It doesn't mean that the, these things never happened. And it could be that one day they will discover chariots or they will discover some archaeological proof but you've got to remember that these things happened thousands of years ago, and sometimes there's just not, things just don't survive that long. And um, I mean, you think of your own life, how many of your own possessions that you had when you were a child do you still have? And some very sentimental people will have some things, but most every single thing we ever owned is no longer around. And well, imagine that thousands of years ago, and this is what we've got. If you've got Chariots at the bottom of an ocean, in all likelihood, they're just not there anymore. Um, but I'm not saying they won't be discovered or something won't be discovered, but you can't use the absence of something to prove the absence of something. So for example, just because they haven't found some chariots yet, doesn't mean that there weren't chariots there. And for me, we the fact that Jesus believed these things happened is enough for me. But even so, there has been a lot of archaeology that's proved a lot of different things in the Bible. Just this morning, I was listening to some videos about King Ahab, and they were talking about um, discoveries of his palace and different things like that. Well, there's just an example. And they're discovering things every year that prove the Bible true. And um, so I just wanted to mention that because there is a lot of sensational claims made about this particular Bible event. But this particular Bible event doesn't so far seem to have any decent archaeology for it. But that's okay. We don't need there to be for every single Bible story because we have got the Bible's word and the Bible has been to us a very reliable, reliable book. So thank God for that. And uh, in the end, 
we, we put our trust in the Lord, we put our trust in what He has said in the Scriptures, and it will guide our life. You have to put your trust in something. If you're not putting your trust in what the Lord had to say, then you're making up your own opinion about life. And that's definitely a shaky place to stand. <laughs> and look, would you want to put your trust in what any old person just said? Well, you're just any old person. Or would you want to put your trust in what the Lord has said? And he is not just any old person. That's where the safe place is to trust. So Lord, we thank you. We put our trust in you. You're our God. And Lord, our lives are so secure. And I want to add a prayer um, just in this closing video that if there is, Lord, any remnants of, of chariots or anything, Lord, I pray that they would be discovered and put to rest all the people dis discussing this particular chapter of the Bible. And I just pray, Lord, that in your perfect timing and plan, that you would bring out the archaeology that's behind the Red Sea crossing. So thank you, Lord, for it. I believe you'll hear my prayer. Amen.